You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. JR. Hello, I'm Simon. Hi, I'm Matt. Um, clever old Toby. I thought, uh, I don't think it was the best episode of the season by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it was certainly an improvement on last week's. And I thought it was um, original, which isn't a word I find I use very often with it. And I thought it was very, what's the word? Very comprehensive. Hmm. I thought everything that he set up. Well, I always, I always say this is what you need to do: pay off on the things you set up, and set up on anything you need to pay off. And I thought it did all those things. I don't think it was by any stretch of the imagination without a few issues. Yeah. But I suppose yeah. we'll go into those. Matt, what did you think? Oh, I liked it. I thought it was quite linear. I thought. <clears throat> I thought in connect well, I I quite like thinking of it still as a three part story. So I'm thinking of it as being the sort of climax of the three parts. I and will, if I, and if I think of it like that, I think it's it's actually stronger than than just as a standalone. So I think it improves last week's. I I can't say I think it improves last week's, hmm. but I think the way it ties into last week's improves this week's. Yes, possibly. Yeah. I still think last week's was riddled with I issues. I don't think the issues last week's were story-based at all. No. I think it was the way it was played Yeah, that didn't work for me. I think it makes extremists stronger. I always yeah, like extremists. Anyway. Because yeah. extremists sets up the idea of the monks as this kind of psychic invasion force. I tell you, yeah. sort of, that's quite a neat kind of... they. It, it gives different dimensions to their invasion techniques. Yes, which yes. Is nice. Yeah, that absolutely worked. I didn't like it as much as as that though. No, I would say I would just say right off the top. I think it's an eight, not a nine like extremists, yeah. but better than a seven like last week. Definitely better than the seven. <clears throat> I thought I'd say it's eight to nine, but yeah, more of an eight. I think. Just jump straight to the ending. Okay, the ending, that sequence was almost spoiled by Murray Gold's music. Yeah. Not that I'm blaming him, because that was the theme, mm. but I think it was a bad choice to put that theme in there. I think it needed something else. There was two extremes, actually, because there was mm. some lovely, when they first went to the vault, there was some gorgeous music, almost mm. like a Vangelis X. But what that needed there was a different version of that theme, mm. but playing the sort of, but playing a really standard syrupy version of that theme just made it feel I, like... I personally thought the RTD fans would be creaming at that bit. Yeah. Possibly, yeah, yeah. So my th- not that I'm not a fan, but you know what I mean. The people who love that. So speaking of art, so it felt to me. I was going to bring this like up. it's. It felt to me like it fixed a lot of the things in Last of the. So it's pretty much a remake of Last of the Time Lords. Yeah, it fixed a lot of things in Last of the Time mm. Lords, but also it didn't do some of the things as well as Last of the Time Lords did. Yeah. So the good things in Last of the Time Lords it got wrong, 
but the bad, bad things, things it did right. Actually, so I think together, actually they kind of got the balance right that turn left didn't as well because mm. turn left went almost too far. Yeah, left. Yeah, it went too far left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. We've now we've raised about fifteen different issues and we've not unpacked any of them. Mm. I will say the one other thing I was going to say about that final sequence is, and this is not a criticism of the performance, but I think the performance choice. Mm-hmm. Possibly of Peter Capaldi as he's doing that voiceover of "This is what's happening." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that was, was spoon fed. Yeah, yeah. It, Which bits this? As Bill is starting to see the images of her mother, yeah, and he's okay, telling okay. Yeah, you yeah. what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Obvi- obviously it needed that mm-hmm. because just to show the pictures wouldn't have conveyed the no. message yeah. that what was happening in the sci-fi sense to sort of make the sci-fi add up yeah. is that she's projecting a mental image of a time before the monks which unravels mm. the mental images they've been projecting that they've always so been pure, there. It's actually a pure yes. thought undoing what the pure thought started, I suppose. Yeah. 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 So that was a... I thought that was a brilliant way to work around it's poetic. it. poetic. I just thought the way it was conveyed... I don't think there probably was a way that you could convey that on screen that would have worked. Mm. I there was so, a lot. There was a lot of expository dialogue in this, and yeah. they just about got away with it with her conversations with her dead mother. Yeah, which throughout I was thinking this is awful. This is this isn't working. But actually, because the whole point of the the conversation was to bring her to yeah. their mother. Yeah, I think the, I think just the, it back, the image that made me think RTD was the whole the mother reaching out. All that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> In terms of it being a remake of Last of the Time Lords, one of the criticisms of Last of the Time Lords is that by using the Archangel Network at the end to mm. defeat the Master, mm. people thought that was a, a deus ex machina mm. to turn the Master's own instrument upon himself. Mm. But it was... Very well established in Last of the Time Lords that he was using that mm. as a means of kind of brainwashing, yeah. low-level brainwashing of the population. Yeah. So I thought at the end of Last of the Time Lords, when they turned that back on him, mm. that wasn't a deus ex machina at all. I thought that was a fundamental part of the story. Mm. I The criticism, perhaps, in Last of the Time Lords was that to get everybody on the planet to think the same thought at exactly the same time was maybe a stretch too far. And this, the thing about that, that this fixed, was it made it plausible that everybody on the planet would be seeing the same thought at the same time. So that was one of the things from Last of the Time Lords that didn't work, that worked here. And also and also in Last of the Time Lords, so the role that said Freeman Radjaman's job was to go around convincing people yeah. that to be positive about the doctor. Which felt implausible. Which felt implausible here. It worked because Bill was part of that transmission. She yeah. was she was actually the the transmission point. She was the no So so the idea of her having faith and actually not in the doctor, but this time in her mother, that yeah. kind of worked logically. So and also I think so when I said it was original, I wasn't really right, was I? But, no, no, but, but but it did feel original. It felt like it was touching on a tone that hadn't been Well, it it was hmm. it, in that respect it kind of was the Doctor Who version of, I said this last week, The Man in the High Castle, Mm. or, you know, to go back to source, things like 1984. Mm. So in that respect, Doctor Who's never been able to do that before. 
So it did that here. So it felt like something new for Doctor Who. Mm. But yeah, it basically was. The last of the Time Lords meets the man in the high castle, <laughs> wasn't it? Doctor Who did the original series managed to do it in Inferno. And very and quite in an alternative universe yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually I don't think Inferno did it that well because Inferno, the alternate universe of Inferno is confined to about three rooms. You never really well, get to see this alternative universe at the all. The entire original series of Doctor Who is pretty much confined to three rooms per story, but yeah. It is, really, but yeah. in Inferno particular yeah. I think the th- I really like Inferno. I think it's really well written and directed and yes. I think it gets away with it. Yeah, but I think yeah. But I think the alternative universe aspect of Inferno is lauded beyond mm. all reason because it is literally just the Brigadier and Liz and Benton, basically. Do you know what I mean? I thought one thing about this that saved it from, that pulled it back from being Last of Time was I think Pearl Mackey's performance was better than Freeman Regent. Yes, no so, question. No, and, no, I li- and I like, <clears throat> I like Freeman, well, I like Freeman Regent. No, Freeman Regent's good. But I think in Last of the Time Lords, they gave her something to do that she couldn't cope with. Or they, well, yeah, or that a lot of actors couldn't cope with. I mean, she, yeah, had, yeah. A, she had a big... She had an impossible task. Yes, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, I think, I think Pearl Mackey pulled it off, particularly with her... She was great. ...losing yeah. faith in the Doctor moment. That was like, that was like, in America, that would be the bit where you try to get an Emmy award yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit in an episode. So, but yeah, she was good. Tell you what else as well. It's interesting because you mentioned Time Heist just before we uh, yeah we started. But actually, I felt more <clears throat> that that small section of them trying to get into the prison boat was more heist esque yeah. than Time Heist was. Well, did you really? Mm, I didn't I think that was especially brilliant. I thought I thought it was okay. Mm. It reminded me of Sherlock. So the the last season of Sherlock, there was a. There was a, a, the a prison a, thing. Yeah, the there was a prison. There's a prison sort of mm. break. Or well, I just felt it sort of shifted. In. I like it when Doctor Who shifts into a different gear, and that's been yeah. happening a lot yeah. this season. Yes. Yeah. Um, this. Um, I'll tell you what. One more thing about the end, and then we'll move on and talk about the body of it. Maybe. Um, a lot of people were expecting a reset button to be hit this week. And I thought the way he didn't hit a reset button was absolutely brilliant yes. because it came logically out of the story. Mm. I was convinced it was going to be a... Well, not convinced. There were moments I, at the start when you saw the flashes and you thought they're back in a simulation. Yeah. Mm. And that was a worry. I really hoped it wasn't. Um, yeah. And then so you thought clear. the only way they're going to get past six months of this is it's going to be a reset. And it was neither of those things. And it and the whole thing was logically worked through. Mm. Well, the whole the whole thing was about fooling the audience into thinking there was yeah. something, something, including the regeneration. So the regeneration was part yeah. of this. There was a constant <clears throat> fake. Is the Doctor bad? Yes, he is. No, oh, he isn't. Is the Doctor dying? Mm. Yes, he is. No, he isn't. That was played beautifully as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I was fooled. Yeah. I yeah. did think that went a bit too far, maybe. I'm not sure if I'll think that on a rewatch. Yeah, but the Doctor says that, doesn't he? He says, regeneration, a bit too much, you know. He does, that's true, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it was quite... I don't, know, I don't mean the regeneration at the end, I meant the whole scene went on. I think I think yeah. my mm. biggest criticism of this episode is that there are a lot of very long scenes mm. that go on perhaps a bit too long, and yeah. it doesn't have that forward momentum. Mm. It kind of feels like it's a slow creep towards the ending, Yeah, and there were points at which I thought, this needs to be faster. But then you look at Russell T. Davis, and he very successfully 
did a lot of episodes where there were just lots of very long scenes. And this whole season, this whole series, have has slowed down. Yeah, the, the yeah. pace has slowed down. So there are lots of longer scenes when they take their time to build, like the the beginning of Smile, and where mm-hmm. it's just it's just them. They just take and the beginning of Thin Ice as well. Mm. They take their time to sort of enter the story. Well, the trouble with the beginning of Smile, of course, is that first bit lasts 35 minutes. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, there wasn't, and this is uh, probably a product of the type of story they're doing, it wasn't very funny this week. There were a few, we had about three, four definite laugh out louds. Mm. Normally you get a few more than that. Mm. And there were a few other moments that were fairly funny but weren't laugh out it wasn't totally without humour but I thought very much the humour was paired back this week there was a lot less of it I think considering the subject matter and um, well that's what I'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. and also it's, it's I do think it was played beautifully I think as a series overall, overall I think it's going to balance out so I think this is yeah, yeah. these three episodes are kind of the dark heart of the series with a bit of lightness. I mean, oxygen wasn't, but maybe smile thin ice. And yeah, ne- yeah, next yeah. week's looks like well, it's going to lighten like up. Wrong, yeah, it? yeah. So yeah. it lightens and then gets darker towards the end. And Moffat does this. He sort of yeah, tonally, yeah. he kind of like. Well, Russell T. Davis would usually start with funny and just get darker as the season yeah, went on. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was like. Uh, a constant travelling in one direction, was, whereas Moffat likes to bat it backwards and well, forwards. Moffat seems to recognise the middle of the season more as being a point where that you need to recapture viewers or you need to reach a mini climax <clears throat> and then you start again mm-hmm. and then reach so he's I think he sort of thinks that twelve episodes is too long to slowly build to an end. Yeah. So yeah. Builds and then rebuilds. Yeah. I tell you, okay then here's a bit of speculation because we've said this is in some ways this three-parter is kind of and particularly this week a remake of the three-parter at the end of Russell T Davis's series three Mm. I'm wondering if the reason Stephen Moffat has bunged this in here midway through this season this series is so that he can do basically the earthbound finale in the middle of the series Mm. So that come the end of the series, maybe he's going to do a finale that's not Earth set. Because mm. generally speaking, the finale will be on Earth. And with even with Stephen Moffat, if it hasn't been, it's been very much to do with the Doctor. Yeah. I wonder if he's trying to have his cake and eat it this year by doing both. So he's got one finale here, mm. which is the sort of Earth's in peril finale. And then there'll be another finale in five episodes time where it's more about the Doctor and... Well, Missy. So it gets in my head. So get in my head. Where does where do the spoiler? Where do the Cybermen come in? Is that in the final or eleven and twelve? Yeah. 11, so that's the final two episodes of yeah. the season, and it'll obviously have Missy in because we were thinking that this was going to be a big Missy, Missy episode. But well, John's, you were. But John Sin. John Sin has to come back, so that's presumably going to be eleven and twelve as well. So, but that's if Missy's in eleven and twelve, then it has to at least start. On Earth, I still think it's going to revolve around. You don't think? You're shaking I your can't head. No, no. Oh, okay. Doctor Who magazine's given away far too much. Oh, really? Have you? Yeah. Oh, is it covered? I haven't read it yet. I 
the, I can, yeah. Normally, Doctor Who magazine is pretty safe for not giving away things you don't need to know, but this year, for some reason, they've been oh, giving be, away far more. Well, to the latest issue, and I couldn't uh, believe how far into it it went. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe but, I won't read it. <laughs> I mean... But my speculation is based as much on the fact that the finale to Series 9 revolved around Clara and Gallifrey yeah. initially, and then the TARDIS. And while it did come back down to Earth, it wasn't about Earth. Mm. So whereas Russell T. Davis would, I think without exception, the finales are always about Earth. They are, aren't they? End of Time is, yeah. Last of the Time Lords is, Journey's End is, mm-hmm. um, Army of Ghosts is, Bad Wolf yeah. is. Yeah. So, but Stephen Moffat seems to like to alternate. So yeah. one will be yeah. Earth, one will be character driven. Mm. And this year, I'm just saying it looks to me like he's decided to do both in his last series. And, um, Missy, <clears throat> we'll go. We will go back and talk about more of this episode mm. in a minute. But Missy, because mm. I'm just doing. You know, we don't do notes, so I'm just doing these things as they pop into my head. But Missy. That scene at the end where she's crying, that's genuine, right? Yeah, poss- I I think it's genuine because I know that John Sim's coming back. Well, that's and what I'm I mean. Sus- suspecting yeah. that John yeah. Sim's going to be the the devil on her shoulder and the doctor's going to yeah. be the angel on her shoulder and it's going to be a battle for Missy's soul, basically. Either that or... Well, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question now mm. that 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 sort of thing is going to be at least part of what that story is mm, going to be about. Mm, mm. So you've got um, Missy actually turning into a good person. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting thing to do with the character. And I think in a way, given the amount of master stories right since the very first one, Terror of the Autons, where the master has to turn around and be on the doctor's side by the end of the episode. Yeah. You saw it again in Claws of Axos. Mm. Obviously, you saw it in Legopolis. Mm. And you saw it in The End of Time and several other stories as well. Yeah. I think it's about time they actually did that for real. Well, it's the only character development you can have. Yeah. With the, with the master. Yeah. Because you can't make the ma- keep on making the master more insane and more evil. And the master is really exciting and I really like John Sim. I'd really like his performance <clears throat> and I really like his version of the master. But in the end, there's nowhere for it to go. It is just, it well, is just a fairly sort of John standard Sim. evil villain. Well, John Sim ended, um, not last, yeah, last of the time yeah. lords mm-hmm. by making a decision. Yeah. To do the right thing, as it were, mm. that he wasn't forced into. Yeah. Or wasn't coerced into. So I did think before this series started that actually John Sim might be the good master and Missy might be the bad master. Because, mm. I mean, it's obvious the only way you can play a two masters meet story is by one of them being, well, I suppose there are other ways you can do it, but I would have said the most obvious way to do it on television is by having one good master, one bad master. Well, like John Sim's master was. Essentially wreaking revenge on the Time Lords, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Well, he was. That was his. But he was saving Earth in doing so. Yeah, yeah. they and didn't. So it was. They didn't. It was ambiguous to an extent. They didn't build up strongly towards his redemption. It was a bit like, in fact, Terror of the Autons, which isn't my favourite story. Um, but shut up. But the master, <laughs> the master, the master suddenly becoming becoming good in Terror of the Autons was right in the last scene. And the Doctor saying. Well, actually, this is a mistake, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and the master yeah. go, oh, yeah, you're right, actually. And <laughs> yeah. then they stop with, And yeah. that's kind of the equivalent in the end of time. 
That's what I mean, though. Sort of in and here, it's it's obviously they've obviously Moffat's obviously decided to build up to it, which is a slightly more satisfying. Although, yeah. actually, no. But my point about end of time, I said last of the time, it was end of time. My point yeah. about end of time is, I thought if you're going to have a good master and a bad master mm. this series, then looking at where the two characters were. I thought the end of end of time might have been the trigger to make yeah. that happen, rather than an ex- rather than the point at which it does. And actually, I'd be more convinced by a John Sim Master turning good than Missy. Cause... I'm not sure because in Death in Heaven, mm. and I said this at the time, at the end of that story, what it appears to me that she's doing is trying to do in her own twisted, mad way mm. something. To benefit I, the Doctor. I thought it was a bit like, um, well, my cat brought two dead animals into the house this morning. Yeah. That's, so, yes, but that's, that's the equivalent of Missy but, bringing two dead animals in. It's giving the Doctor an army of Cybermen. For, for me, that gives her a sort of an animalistic... Un- so to think of her changing, it's like thinking there's something in her nature mm. that's evil and insane. With John Sim, it's yeah, made yeah. it clear that his insanity is something that's been imposed from outside. Mm. And when the Time Lords come back, he can he can see that and almost get rid of it or <clears> take <throat> revenge on it. So that's why I think John Sims, John Sims more likely, almost right? treatable. Whereas Missy is more Michelle Gomez is is more naturally insane. Re- when when the regeneration happened, there was a reset switch of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if I don't know if it was, but I think the performance mm. is more of a is more of a sort of a naturally insane and also but it looks like we're going the other way yeah, obviously, yeah. but also her performance is she's got this habit of looking really sweet and mm. then switching and then looking really sweet and becoming sadistic so it's this kind of so mm. to watch her well and presumably she's sort of slightly less stable as a kind of a as the way she presents the character and presumably what we'll have is that in mm. length yeah we'll have an episode where she's sweet and then a moment where she gets switched back, yeah. presumably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to guess that it'll be the master, the John Sim master, who does it somehow. Mm. Who pers- it'll be like... I mean, Doctor Who's always riffing on Star Wars. This will presumably be like John Sim persuading Missy back to the dark side. Yeah. So we'll right. have to see how it plays out. But that was my overriding thought at the end, is that last scene is played genuinely. Mm. So she is actually a character repenting mm. at the end of this story. Um, should we go back and unpack some of the other stuff in the episode? Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Where does it come in with um, Bill? Did you have issues with how it began? As in the passage of time between the end of the last episode and this one? No, I kind of guessed that it would have to be anyway mm. even before I read the preview but in the well, preview again that's can... last of the Time Lords yeah. To, yeah, yeah to present the end of the world it's like I was saying last week the actual thing leading up to the end of the world isn't interesting it only becomes interesting probably about six months after the end of the world mm. when people start to kind of pick themselves up mm. or with survivors they have that kind of they show a bit. Is it the first half of the first season? And Are you talking the original survivors? Yeah, and it's, yeah, the first and it's four episodes just, or so. just surviving, and then it becomes interesting because there's a there's a time yeah. time lag, and yeah. it shows how they they're progressing. Mm. And this is the six months. I think I was more talking about how it was left. Mm. So you had the doc, doctor in the lab or getting out of the lab. Yes, yeah. I think some things were covered in the dialogue. I don't know what happened to the TARDIS. 
So that's my big thing. That's my big bugbear. All the way through, I was wondering. Because I think we saw was Nardole inside the TARDIS. Yes. Presumably, Nardole has the TARDIS. That's yeah, the only. That makes sense. Because Bill says she lost however much yeah. amount of time. I don't think it was specified. No. And then no. she kind of wakes up in this new life. The doctor's presumably whisked away by the monks there and then. Yes. So, so to solve the problem of Bill transmitting psychically to the entire human race, you put her in, even just putting her in the TARDIS, which is in a different dimension, or putting her in the TARDIS and taking it back in time or to the edge well, of the universe, yeah. that would solve things. The only thing putting that, her in the zero room. Well, yeah, that's what you would think. The only thing that offsets that is it didn't stop working when she was in the vault. And presumably the vault is either a TARDIS or some kind of Gallifreyan technology. Yeah. Might not but, be as... Yeah. It's got a different dimension on so, the inside, so... So, so her psychic mm-hmm. ability is somehow connected with statues that boost it to the... There's yeah, something yeah. very local about this. I can't imagine... Take take Bill to the 18th century. Or take Bill to... to you know, I don't know, Gallifrey. Well, what anywhere. I'm saying, though, is... Surely that would... Surely well, yes, I be, thought the yeah. same thing. But what I'm saying is they showed her inside the vault. Yeah. Presumably with the doors closed so that yes. Missy couldn't just make a run for the doors. Mm. And that being in a different dimension as a, the inter, inside of a TARDIS yeah. would be should have cut that off. So I'm not saying no, it, it fixes own, it. I think it's got its own rationale in it's, as much as that they're not even aware that she's the key to it. It's got its own rationale. Sorry. It just needed a line of dialogue to explain where the TARDIS was. The monks have the TARDIS or the monks have like taken it or it's somewhere. It felt very much like a Pertwee story. It would have worked as a Pertwee story. So if the TARDIS didn't work mm. and Pertwee was, and the Doctor was somehow exiled to Earth, and this yeah. whole this whole season is feeling a little bit like a Pertwee-ish exile to Earth season, except the Doctor's kind of like bound to Earth because of the vault rather mm. than a faulty TARDIS. <laughs> so it would it would have worked with a faulty or a, a stolen TARDIS, but there wasn't any mention of the TARDIS at all. I just imagine Nardole no, recovered in the TARDIS yeah. and then... The went, word went into recovery in there. Yeah, but the word TARDIS wasn't even no. mentioned even at the end. It just was. Completely... There is a hand wave for it, of course, in that the TARDIS would have been in the possession of the military at the time, and presumably mm. by the time Nardole's recovered, had his six weeks in hospital, the military yeah. are under the control of the monks and would have done something with the yeah. TARDIS. Yeah, could have done with that line. Yes. But that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, I just wonder if there was something cut the time or something because mm. it's Probably. such, a, such or just, a... I tell you what often happens is that you'll write eight different versions of the script and there'll be a line in there that covers that <laughs> in one and then that scene disappears and you think must remember to put that line in a different also, scene interestingly, and you forget. when was the last time there was a Doctor Who story that didn't mention or feature the TARDIS or we didn't see the TARDIS or even the exterior of the TARDIS mm. the demons I don't know, it could be... I mean, famously, The Demons was one of those rare stories where the TARDIS didn't even get mentioned. It wasn't... There wasn't even the console or... But this one, it's a really weird omission. There's nothing... There's no TARDIS in it. Heaven Sent. Was there no TARDIS in Heaven Sent? There's never a point where it's needed, is there? No. No. Okay. Yeah. But Heaven Sent... But it is still a very rare thing. Doctor in a prison, that's... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the bit where um, she sees her mum the first time. Yeah. Was anybody thinking... Because there had been lots of mentions of her mum, including the most potent one, I suppose, is in Oxygen, where she's 
shouts mum when she thinks she's going to die. That's been almost as if... One of the things fans have been saying is, is her mum going to play an important part at the Mm. end of the series? Because Mm. we keep getting these mentions of her, these reminders of her. It seems to be foreshadowing something. Mm. Do we think, then, that this is it now? That that's what this was foreshadowing? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think you don't that, think her mum's going to be back. I think I think, I think, a, I think her mum, the the pre, the the focus on her mum is about building Bill's character rather than building a plot point. I think well, it's it was about, both, wasn't it? Well, in this in this episode, yeah, and I think this is the point where they've they've there was sort that of done really it. Really awkward line where the doctor said, "Oh, I thought I was just doing something nice for her, but actually, I was saving the world." That was yes. a bit. Yeah, yeah, clunky, that yeah. is definitely a very but big. But it was saved by your mum's gone viral. Yeah, yeah, That's that was funny. Nice. And all the stuff about um, truth mm. and um, was it fake news? Yeah, yeah, that was quite nice. There was, but on the subject yes. of her mum, the conversation about will Bill turn out to be Susan? Oh yeah, I was going to ask. Do you still think Bill's going to turn out to be Susan? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're still hanging on to the the uh, the idea. They stopped talking about grandchildren and... Well, that's because you only need to foreshadow it so far. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, no, I... I, Well, I never said it was a firm belief. Okay. I always said, this is a potentiality, and the more I see of this, the more I think it might be. I originally said it was a joke, if you remember. Yes, yeah. Then you became... But then the doctor went and got photos of her. Of the mother. Of the mother. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, if it's chameleon arch technology, then the mother wouldn't exist. She'd have planted memories, wouldn't she? Well, yeah, but she'd have planted memories of a person. Where would they look to get the photos from then? Oh, from the person that she has planted memories of. Okay. There'd be a person. Oh, I see. This is the way the TARDIS not, threads a person I'm into... Not, I'm not absolutely convinced that with two masters and Cybermen <laughs> in the final two episodes of the season, there's going to be an awful lot of room for... Bill is also Susan, unless there's a Christmas special reveal. But even then, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced. No, I... I think they've sort of... I think I think I agree that there are a few references that could could be construed early on so many series, big hitters. But I think they've kind of moved on from that slightly and made Bill more of a... The focus on her mum in this, in this episode, I think that would be undermined by the revelation that it's not her mum after all. And then you sort of think, mm, okay. I don't, you, but that's kind of the point because here it's not the fact that it's her mother, but it's the idea. Yeah, yeah. And it, and she, and the way she threads that idea out so that everybody's thinking of Bill's mother as just, their mother. Just checking before we go on, it doesn't say in the new Doctor Who magazine that Bill is Susan, does it? Well, I haven't <laughs> read it. So this isn't one of yours, you've actually read it and now I'm arguing against something you know it's true. No. Oh, okay, fine. I'm not convinced by it. Then. But I just think, again, this is another uh, thing where they've thrown in something that looks like it's mm. foreshadowing that Bill's going to be Susan. I do. Mm. I just... I think the way they throw out that thought of Bill's mother, mm. if you come to the end of the season and it turns out that that thought of Bill's mother has been threaded into Bill's head in exactly the opposite way to the way it's threaded out to the rest of the world here, mm. 
then this foreshadows that. It just seems to me like every episode almost has something that foreshadows. Um, Even there's an entire episode, an entire episode where people turn out not to be who they think they are. If that doesn't foreshadow somebody being under the chameleon arch, what does? So I'm just saying the clues, the conversation stopped, but the clues haven't stopped coming. So I'm I'm it, on the it wire. Feels, it feels I think it feels a little bit like this series is doing is treating things differently than other other series are. So whereas in other series we've had <clears> a kind of a mystery to the companion, building up to some sort of revelation that the companion's more than we thought they were. I just wonder if in this series, it's not doing that. It's just giving the companion a normal role and a big role in certain stories like today's. She did save the world, like Freeman Regiman. But it's not building up to that at the end. I just wonder if it's going to be the companion's going to have a role in each story that is sort of in itself. I just think I just think she's she might be the conventional companion that we haven't had for quite a long time. Don't know. You see, Stephen Moffat. I think he likes to deceive you. But I think he might be deceiving us by making us think that she's a oh, Clara-like, yes. Martha-like. Well, on the like character, <clears throat> and actually, it would be a bigger twist to find out that she's just, just a normal, well, a normal girl that's actually really academically good. I she said has that. To save the world, yeah. I said that very thing in the Doctor mm. in the Starburst magazine that's coming out next month. Yeah. I said that very thing. Mm-hmm. Either he is laying clues that she's going to be Susan, yeah. or he's throwing in red herrings so that those of us with a mind to think so will see him doing the thing he usually does. When he's not. Yeah. So either way. So this is why I say I'm totally on the fence. Yeah. It could go either way. But I, but what I will say is I am still seeing clues Mm -hmm. almost every week that Bill will turn out to be Susan. We should save that for the last five minutes, but we didn't. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know. There must be more. Um, I like the fake out. So I like, I like the, Almost the, the the fake regeneration, As almost trailer almost moment. designed to be put into the trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really like that that sort of thing. And I yeah. felt the same about in extremists when you love you, saying in extremists, don't you? In in the episode extremists. <laughs> so when Nardo, because I wasn't here to talk about it, I wasn't on the podcast. But when Nardo's in the the cloak, and you think maybe it's going to be John Sim. Yeah. And actually, when it started, when he started talking, I still thought because I didn't recognise Matt Lucas's voice, I still okay, thought yeah. it still could be John Sim. Right. Yeah. And so all the way through this this season, we're thinking: Is he going to regenerate? And is John Sim going to appear? And I think they're playing. They're yeah. Playing yeah, with yeah. it. So there are things: Who's in the vault? Is it John Sim? Mm. No. Mm. Who's in the cloak? Is it John Sim? No. no. Who's behind that door? Who's silhouetted? When the monks came out in in the episode Extremist, the monks came out of the door. Could that be John's? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. And you're also looking for the regeneration moments. You're looking for so the doctor, the do, the doctor like loses his sight, but you know, could he regenerate or maybe not? It's only because you recognise. The well, there was also speculation that the blindness might be the trigger. Yeah, yeah. And there's been yeah. speculation about all these things, and, and it's and it's good because it. I well, think one thing Stephen Moffat recognises is. People need something to the, talk about. And the series is strongest when people are talking about it. Yeah, when yeah. when we go on podcasts and speculate that 
that Bill might be Susan. And he knows this. He knows that it's better. He knows that fans secretly like doing it, even though it winds them up. And in one trailer, he's given us maybe three or four things to talk about throughout the whole season. He's basically giving us a crib sheet of the debates to be had, even though a lot of them are fake and a lot of them are faked out. Well, the fact that we found out who's in the, and this week beyond any shadow of a doubt, who's in the mm, vault. Yeah. Even, not... even though Lee forgot last week. <laughs> but it hasn't stopped the conversation. Well, I mean, yeah, we yeah. don't know what people are talking about because we're recording this immediately after watching the episode. Yeah. But to my mind, it hasn't stopped the conversation because of, like you say, now the question has simply changed from one when, aspect to another. When Capaldi said on the chat shows that he's already filmed his death scene, was he talking about that fake regeneration? Yes, or do you think there's probably. going to be another? Because you think that that's, that that's the scene he, he mentioned. Well, filming? Or do you think there's, all go- there's going to be something in episode... Because again, having two masters in episodes 11 and 12, that's really strong regeneration territory. Well, there was so there still could be a delay. There was a rumor before the series started that there would either be three or four regenerations this year, right? So you'd get John Sim into Missy, yeah. You'd get Missy into whoever follows Missy. Mm-hmm. You'd get Peter Capaldi into, you know, whoever comes next as the Doctor of yeah, Regeneration Fest. But also potentially that there'd be another one. Well, potentially we've sort of seen a regeneration today. Yes. Obviously yeah. it wasn't a re- obviously it was a fake out. But, yeah. But you know, in technical terms, if you want to talk about seeing the doctor throwing his arms back and the fire coming out of his head, we saw it. So how, how did he fake it? Does well, anyone, I haven't thought about it. Can the doctor just like? Well, I'm, it, I'm guessing because we've seen Romana. Well, don't mention that. <laughs> Destiny of the Douglas oh, Adams. I quite like, enjoy that. Yeah, I quite enjoy it, that. It's fun, but we're, we're not using that as a model for how the generation... generation that they can do out of choice. Yeah, but that energy stuff, that's energy, like, that's regeneration energy. Mm. Unless, yeah, but we've seen him of... giving it to River Song to repair a broken wrist. Yeah, but he that's still using up. It is, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. If he has the, he is in the first life of a new regeneration cycle. So even though we're seeing him as an old man, he is technically the youngest he'll be in this regeneration cycle. So maybe even though we've sort of had a slightly grumpier version of the doctor, maybe than we often get, but maybe actually there's also an aspect of this version of the doctor. That's you know a little more footloose and fancy free when it comes to some of the important things. Yes. When you're young, <laughs> you think you're going to live forever, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's young again. He's as young again as he'll ever be. But in the context of the scene, it's a bit like donating your kidney as a practical joke. Yes. It's that. It's that kind of. That's not just going too far. That's actually self harming. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is fine. I mean, it's a small point because he could just you know. And the holograms. It's a it's I a technical know. point. Is it any but... different from holding your breath or something? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But the new series has presented has presented this regeneration energy as quite a precious thing, and obviously it got more precious with Matt mm. Smith because mm. he knew he was the last. But with David Tennant, it's quite a sort of you know, he's giving it out very carefully. Here, it's sort of he's just like ejaculated it out just willy nilly. <laughs> Well, yeah. So then, but I, it was made for a good joke, <laughs> and maybe that's the important thing. Yeah, it was obviously. I think. Well, they knew going in, and I mean, 
well, here's one thing that hasn't really been brought up, but Peter Capaldi announced that he was leaving the programme like halfway through filming or something. Mm. Wasn't it? I'm sure it was. I can't remember exactly when he said it, but it was basically about halfway through filming. Mm. But it strikes me that they knew before they even sat down to write these episodes. Yeah. Any of them, they knew that he was going. Mm -hmm. And they presumably then also knew, right from before they started writing these episodes, that Pearl Mackey would be, or not Pearl Mackey, because they hadn't cast her at the time, but that the character of Bill would only be around for a single year. Because they must have known, before they even sat down and wrote a single thing, that at the end of this series, you would have a complete changeover before the next showrunner came in. So even though um, Peter Capaldi announced it much later... If they knew, they've built all these things in deliberately. And again, it goes back to what I said about Bill. If these are all fake clues, or if they're actual clues that she's going to turn out to be Susan, I don't think they're there by accident. Mm. I think there's been too many of them for it to be an accident. So, whichever way it turns out to be, whether they're red herrings or whether they're real, Mm. I think they're there deliberately. And I think one of the things that suggests that it might not be red herrings, that it might be real, is that she very, very, very likely will be leaving at the end of the year. And it's also very, very, very likely that they knew that before they even started writing the character. Mm. So if you know you've got a character for one year, you can do that twist at the end. Now, whether they will or not, obviously, is another matter. But mm. but also, they know the audience knows that. So, if they're putting in them in, the, if Stephen Moffat's putting them in there as red herrings, he knows the audience are looking for, because, you know, we're now four episodes away from Pearl Mackey leaving the series, presumably, yeah. and five episodes away from Peter Cabaldi leaving oh, the series. Yeah. So we're foreshadowing all sorts of good. <laughs> Really, like, I just think he looks brilliant, like Stephen Schapansky. Yeah. <laughs> um, the monks, I didn't. I still am not a big fan of the monks. When no. they when they floated away on their on their magic pyramids, I didn't think, "Wow, I wonder if they could come back." I was thinking, "Well, that's probably all they can do with the monks now." Thinking, "Cheers, Alan." Well, yeah, they're not. I mean, it's very, very, very like the silence. Very like. Well, I'll tell you one way that it's very much more like the silence than I expected it to be is the resolution to the episode is essentially the same resolution as you had at the end of Day of the Moon. Yeah, yeah. Where the Doctor sends out a signal to everybody on the planet, these Mm. are the bad guys after all. Yeah. Which is fine because, you know, it's a good solution. I just didn't think the actual... And I like the look, I quite like the look of them, but there was something... There was something generic about the look and the concept. And with the Weeping Angels, they were really good because the look was fantastic and the concept was, the, the original concept was fantastic and the changes that they made to the original concept were really fantastic as well. And I think the silence, and the silence slightly less yeah. so, but yeah, still... But the look was yeah. good and, and the concept was good. With the monks, it just felt like you could insert Cybermen, you could insert... In fact, there were people were talking about how they could be the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that wasn't just about the way that they walked. Part of it was this sort of hope that they'd become more interesting than they were. But I don't think they are more interesting than they are. I think they're just placeholder. I think the fact that they're called monks was just a cosmetic thing. 
Well, they weren't actually called monks. I, unless I'm remembering wrong, mm. there's a we never find out. Unless I'm getting this wrong, we never find out what they're called. But there's a moment when the Doctor first sees one, except he doesn't see one. Maybe Nardol described it to him. Mm. And then the next time he mentions one of them, he says one of those monk things. Oh, okay. And I think the name monks has evolved in exactly the same way as the name Sea Devils did. Yeah, yeah. A character says, oh, they're monk things. The Chumblers. Yes, which is um, Ficky, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So, right. yeah, I don't think they're actually called the monks. No. I think the monks is just a name that's conferred upon I them. I thought they were actually like the, not like the meddling monk. Who, you know... Yes, it's yeah, just, that's not his name either. No. No. I, um, I thought they worked most effectively in this episode of the three. I think the reason for that is that their idea of what they were doing in this episode was the most comprehensive. Mm, mm. So I think it worked in that way. But there was nothing about them that made it feel as if it needed to be them that was doing it. No. I don't think I don't think you could literally bung the Cybermen in, because I think what they were doing was too different from the Cybermen's MO. But yeah. the, the MO didn't feel like it necessarily had to be... Because normally, with a creature and with what it does, there's a connection. So the, the way the Daleks look and the concept behind where they came from connects with what they do and how they behave. Mm. Same with the Cybermen. Whereas with the monks, you never really get an idea that what they are and where they've come from has got anything to do with what they're doing. Mm. They didn't really join those dots, so they feel like a slightly wishy-washy version of a Doctor Who monster. Mm. Well, there's a really good idea in there somewhere, did but somehow to... they've not connected it to the creature itself. And did they get to get to the core of the monk's motivation? Is it purely a power thing? <clears throat> there was a line there, I think, mm. but it was a speculative line by one of the characters. That... Actually, that is so. That is a good thing. One of the good things about the monks that make them distinctive is their way of conquering the Earth or conquering yes. planets is through this. They want devotion, mm. and that's good. But it's sort of you can't go anywhere with that because that's their way of conquering a planet. And yes, that creates a psychic connection between a single person and the planet. Mm. But that doesn't make them interesting. That makes the person with the psychic connection interesting. And once you've got to that point of the story, all you've got left is, well, how do we get rid of them? I, I wondered if, because these were originally three independent stories, maybe this is a result of that. So they've kind of, they've kind of created the monk, the monks as a way of having a monster. Well, I can add to it. Through it's the it's an interesting thing, and I'd like to. That, sorry, go on. Um, and as far as I remember, Toby Monkhouse was Whithouse. the one. Toby Monkhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Toby Whithouse was the one who came with the idea of the monks. Yeah, right. and then they were retrospective, retroactively put into Peter Harness's story, yeah. and then Stephen Moffat wrote the first part mm. to take into account what the other two were doing. So maybe that's why they feel more complete here is because it was Toby Whithouse's idea. Um. It's interesting you... to hear him talk about it, though, wouldn't it? So to yeah, how yeah. That episode would have started. Would These... have been just turning up on Earth and finding that. Well, I will say, yes, it, it would. Yes, I was just going to go into a conversation about that. If we look at these three episodes then individually and separate from one another, and ask how would they have worked if they hadn't been stitched together, mm. I think Stephen Moffat's either could have been left open-ended. There's going to be an invasion at some point. And either we never get to find out, or it could have been left. 
at the point where he learns what's in the simulation and you get that Santaran experiment moment where yeah. the aliens decide not to invade because they've been found out. Or, yeah. or Extremis is a mid-season episode that builds up, that to, the builds up to the finale. Yeah. If the, if, if, if the monks were stronger... And oh no, I'm saying take the monks powerful. out of it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, could have yeah, done yeah. extremists yeah. and it could have been, and this is foreshadowed by Death in Heaven, mm. it could have been Missy's simulation. Yeah. And you don't find out that it's Missy until yeah. the end of the yeah. series. Mm. Yeah. Or potentially John Sim, either way. Mm. The middle episode, Pyramid at the End of the World, essentially that works exactly the same with a different monster. But at the end of the story, instead of the monster winning, I think that scene with Bill and the Doctor not being able to see is the addition to that episode. I think that scene is entirely an addition of adding the monks to the other stories. I think that episode otherwise... And I don't think it ever got to the stage where they wrote it without the monks. So I'm just speculating on what was there. But I think you can end that episode with the scene where the Doctor learns which particular place on Earth the disaster's going to happen and Mm. stops it. But yeah. presumably that yeah. scene where Bill makes a pact with the monk, elements of that must have been moved back from this tonight's episode. Yes, that's because what I'm saying. To make it, because otherwise the absence in this episode doesn't make, yeah. Yeah, so once you've got Toby Whithouse's episode written, you add that scene to the end of yeah, yeah. Um, Pyramid at the End of the World to bring it into this episode. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, none of these episodes were actually written until they decided that this is mm. what they were going to do. Mm. Yeah. But I'm just looking at how these episodes... And so, this episode tonight, Lie of the Land, literally, you just start the episode with the aliens having invaded, mm. and you only find out how and where from and why yeah. through the dialogue in the episode. In much the same way as Amy's choice appears to start after Amy and Rory have been on Earth for a year, two years, whatever yeah. it is, without the Doctor, and she's nine months pregnant. Yeah, you know, you in Doctor Who, especially under Stephen Moffat, where the companions don't always travel with him, yeah. it's easy to pick up a story, you know, several months down the line of an invasion and mm. explain it retrospectively. Mm. So mm. I think they each of them could have worked. I Were think, they stronger for being together? I think they almost they almost work as a three-parter. They almost, with all the jiggling about of storylines, it almost works. I just I'll tell you, just before you finish that sentence, yeah. I will tell you one more thing that Stephen Moffat said in this month's Doctor Who magazine, is that right. he doesn't consider it a three-parter, he considers it a trilogy. Right, mm. okay. Mm. So he made a distinction there between okay. it being okay. three parts of the same I story. Suppose, I suppose a th- three-parter... For Doctor Who, in Doctor Who terms, a three-parter is a story made up of three episodes. A trilogy is something different. Three so different stories that connect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, as a trilogy, through, as a yeah. trilogy, it nearly works for me. And I think it's the performances are great, and I think the the general tone is good. But I think what lets it down is the fact the monks aren't a strong enough Doctor Who villain, yeah. Doctor Who monster, mm. to carry three different stories. By the end of it, I wanted something a bit more like the Weeping Angels. <laughs> is, yeah. is there something to be said for the actual, the actual enemy of the of the story mm. is the human race? Nah, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, yes, and I think it's quite yeah, yeah, tiny, yeah. But yeah. It's, 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 it's
We're, I'm talking well, about sustaining it as a trilogy. Well, that brings me to a point that we didn't talk about last week because I didn't think it really needed it. Mm. But then the podcasts and reviews and social media that I've read in the meantime since makes me think, well, no, maybe we ought to go back and talk about it. And that's exactly it. Mm. Well, at least the last two episodes have been making an analogy about the human race is, you know, so going to be going the and... instrument yeah, of yeah. its own destruction, <laughs> potentially. Last week, there was the issue of consent, which Peter Harness and or Stephen Moffat obviously couched in the language of sexual consent. But, and a lot of people have been saying that's a deliberate analogy for sexual consent. And, well, the answer to that is no, it's not. It's couched in the language of sexual consent. But the idea of sexual consent is... You say yes, you have sex with a person, everybody's happy. The consent issue in Pyramid at the end of the world is you consent, you say yes, you get invaded, you're buggered. Mm. So the analogy doesn't work, patently doesn't work. So that's not what the analogy is. And it seemed to me really obvious last week what the analogy was, Mm. but so many people seem to have missed it that either I've made a mistake or... Or maybe, so I'll tell you what I think the analogy is, and you tell me if you think I'm right. I think the analogy is Brexit and Trump. The analogy is, if enough people want something, it doesn't matter how bad it is, they mm. will accept it willingly, and when there are consequences, it serves you right, because you're the people who voted for it. Yeah. I think that was what the analogy was. Well, I think that the whole thing about fake news in this week makes it clear that, that that's what that, they were that, thinking that about. There's a big Trump thing, maybe not Brexit in this in this case, and I can't. I don't know when these things were f- filmed, but it must be around. I mean, they acknowledged yeah, yeah. Trump last week with the orange um, the orange president. I think they were written before Trump was elected and okay. filmed afterwards. Okay. And I think they were. So they might have comments. They might have slotted in comments. And I think they were written after the EU referendum. Okay. So and I'm thinking it's both things because. One of at the time of writing, one of them was just happening, and the other one was speculative. Yes, but there's also a sexual consent thing with Trump, so there might be you might well, have, yeah, you might maybe have both because, Could, because well, I mean, one, I mean maybe that's the types. reason why he used that language. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he, he obviously used that language knowing that that's what it was. But I don't think you were supposed to read it on that level. No, I think it was much more about the political climate and yeah. about. Yeah. You know, the people willingly doing bad things to themselves because they're too short-sighted to see any further. Yeah. And there you go. I've used the word short-sighted. And, and they all revolve around the Doctor of week, And this week it is, around, it is around rewriting history and pretending that the yeah. past is something different, which is that exactly was the bit what Trump That I absolutely does. loved was the analogy about... Um, Donald Trump renaming Washington Trumpton DC. Well, yeah, oh, normalization—the whole normalization thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it takes yes. a very short amount of time for everyone to become comfortable with a worse situation and think, "Well, it's always been like this." Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or this feels normal. Yeah. And in the week of a general election, where the big issue is, do you vote in the party that nobody really likes just because they're already there, or do you actually do something about it? It suddenly became very relevant, and it's also even though there's no way they could have known there was going to be a general. And there's also this week. A, there's also a Brexit link as well, because one thing Theresa May's being asked is, 
do you now support Brexit? Because she yeah. didn't. So it's all about these politicians saying Brexit's bad, Brexit will be bad, Brexit's bad. Oh, they voted for Brexit. Well, Bre- we can make something good out of Brexit. We have to, and suddenly they've swiveled mm. into a completely different thing. And we're starting to accept that they're starting to talk about, you know, 69% of the country is now positive about Brexit and, and now they've just accepted Brexit and they're moving on. Mm. Yeah. Which is what this episode is, you know, we've been sort of psychically, psychically manipulated into accepting Brexit as a place of company. Or will it? Well, well yeah, and that's what, that? and you know, that's the people who make Doctor Who aren't without politics and obviously... It will. Because there are basically two choices mm. for the leadership and they're both pro-Brexit. In fact, oh, Labour's probably more, yes. pro, more pro-Brexit than... than I don't really want to get are. into this, but yeah. But... Well, the one potential out is that it will be a coalition government and when there's a coalition government, you have to make a deal to climb into bed. Yeah. We all know the deal that Cameron made to climb into bed. Yeah. Uh, well, no. The, the deal that Cameron made to climb out of bed from the Liberals was mm. to offer the country an EU referendum. Yes. So yeah. it could potentially be that the deal that um, Corbyn makes to climb into bed with either the SNP or the Lib Dems or both mm. is to offer a re-referendum. Mm. It's a poten- I'm yeah. just saying, yeah, that's yeah. the potential. The, the problem is Corbyn's more pro-Brexit than any other party leader. He is, but and then Cameron was anti-Brexit. So, you know, yeah. it happens. Yeah, I'm not saying it will. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's the only window for well, it was to asked. happen. Before the referendum, he said he was 70% pro-EU. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. That's the 70% of him that wants to get elected Prime Minister. Well, they made. And, uh, Theresa May. Well, I think it's the 70% that said he knew it wasn't perfect. Mm. I don't know whether she'd said it before, but they made Theresa May say on Question Time last night, as we record, I think it was, Possibly. that she had voted to remain. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether that was actually a known fact before, but they made her admit it on live television last night. Well, I think she was a strong... She was a strong I think everybody knew she yeah. was, yeah. but there's a difference between yeah. being strong pro or anti-something yeah. and actually admitting where you yeah. put the X on the ballot paper. Yes. And I'm I think not, that was quite a... I'm not sure Jeremy Corbyn's admitted which way he voted. I think we yes. can all guess, but I, but I think it's a big moment... I think he voted leave. <laughs> Well, I absolutely, yeah. I believe he voted leave. Yeah. But unless he actually says it. I think yes. it's a big, mo- big moment to actually admit where yeah. you put your ex. Mm. Mm. And, that, and I think that her admitting it undermines her again. This is quite far from Doctor Who. Yeah? Okay, shall we talk a bit more about Lie of the Land, or do you want to give it a score? I like the title. Yeah, the title's good. I'd like the titles this year, actually. Mm. Yeah, I it's like a very good to... double meaning. Yeah. Yes, it is very... Yeah, I hadn't spotted that. Now you mention it. Yeah. Oh, I thought, well, that's what Simon was... Ref- is it? What's that? That's what you meant, the double meaning. Yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's yeah. great double meaning. Yeah. I liked it. So I liked... I'm a bit torn, torn with it because I still think it was a bit of a waste. I think this trilogy is a bit of a wasted opportunity. I think if they'd... Done a stronger monster. Or if they'd started out... With the intention. Writing, with the intention of writing a trilogy and come up with the villain first... Yeah. And then and then the story around it, then then I think it would be stronger. I haven't felt that I liked it. Which, which story do you think the the monks themselves stemmed from originally? 
Do you think this, it was? Do you think that Toby it, said it was his? It was his, right? Yeah. Okay. So work well, I'm sure it was because I'm just wondering what, what was it. But the fact that they can slot the monster into two other stories, whichever story it comes, they was, come was from, was there a pyramid? Because obviously the pyramid kind of matches up with the monks. Or maybe I'm misremembering. It was. They said pyramids so don't really match up with monks. No. And they no. because there was a big joke about the fact that corpses, yeah. Originally, they were kung. They kept referring to them as kung fu monks until somebody pointed out, you know, they don't actually do any kung fu, <laughs> and then they dropped the kung fu. So the kung fu monks was the joke, sort of behind scenes name for the monster, and so they just dropped the kung fu, kept the monks, and never gave them a proper name. But so. But yeah, but for me, the fact that they could be yeah. slotted into each story isn't, diminishes isn't them. A, yeah, it isn't a, a good indication of how strong they are. But I really like the look of these episodes. I really like. I have to watch Extremists again because I couldn't see it properly. But I really liked the design and this this episode. It really, it really said, felt pacey yeah. and even with the long scenes. I've said that in this latest episode because they are benign to an extent mm. they're quite parasitic yeah in that respect so they are going to be quite you know what's the word I can't think of the word is really they're going to be they're not going to be too they're not going to be oh, too defined okay. yes. so in the yeah. background you mean yeah yeah they're going to yeah. be quite bland but again again the silence was the same but they were much stronger. Yeah, yeah, they had long fingers as well, didn't they? And they were the way they were filmed was always sort of in the background, blurred, out of focus, or mm, often mm. in the background, out of focus. So they went into a story knowing what the silence were. You obviously had the idea for the silence and their the twist on their their mm. nature before they actually started developing, rising, yeah. yeah. And then and then they could film it as such. With these ones, it's just a bit sort of mm. tad bay into slot B, Doctor Who monster. Mm. Mm. Looks scary. They could have actually been like a cousin of the trickster type yeah. thing. Yeah. Turn left thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's too far of a connection. Maybe. It's a bit Sarah Janey. Yeah. But maybe Scarabs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Should we score it then? Mm. I've already done mine, so Simon? I'm between an eight and a half and a nine. I really did think yeah. it was strong. But uh, I think it's going to be an eight. Really? I don't, no. It could be a nine, Simon. Yeah, but I've been scoring so highly, apart from last week. Really didn't like last week's. Do you know what? I tr- I went to try and watch it in the week, and I couldn't bring myself to watch it again. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, not not through dislike, just kind of like, is it worth it? I don't know. Am I going to discover anything new from it? It'd be interesting to see what watching three... The three, one after yeah, the other. Yeah, I might try that. Whether the momentum of extremists will carry you through the middle one, knowing mm. that you're going to get on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. See, I still think last week's was a very enjoyable episode. It's just that all the bits that were enjoyable mm. had bits around them that just either felt odd or didn't add up or didn't make sense. Or I, It's just me. It's just me. I like, I like my episodes to either shine or try something new and try something brave and move me. And that didn't do any of those things for me. Matt, do you want to give this one a score then? I think a seven. No higher than a seven then? No. No. And it's, I'm going to have to think about think about the trilogy as a whole. 
as to whether whether this it's greater than the sum of its parts, whether looking at the three episodes maybe brings them all up to to something higher. I think it's the strongest bit of the season in spite of not being necessarily the high-scoring bit of the season or the most distinctive bit of the season. But it's the bit its the bit this year where you actually feel it's doing something. It, it is, but I think the thing this season is doing is not, not doing, doing anything. Yeah, I, I kind of, I'm comfortable with that. I mm. kind of liked the Thin Ice episode and I liked Oxygen and I liked Knock, Knock, Knock. Whereas I'm much more because, at home when it's really, really doing something. And I, I guess. Do, and I do like it when it's doing something, but I think the Doctor Who has a chance to to take a breather with this, yeah, with this series. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an opportunity. And I think this makes a difference. I'm, I'm quite liking the fact that I don't have to worry too much about things it's, connecting. And It and feels more like Series 7. Mm-hmm. I mean, Series 5 was the story of the married couple in the TARDIS. Yeah. Series 6 was the story of their daughter. Mm. Series 8 was the story of the stay-at-home companion who gets a boyfriend. Mm. Series 9 was the story about how his death changes her. And so she becomes sort of, not fearless, but she becomes carefree Mm. in her attempts to make herself more like the Doctor. Mm. And so all four of those series felt like they were really doing something for the entire series. Mm. And for me... Although, I, I don't think the rest of Doctor Who can be criticised by comparison. Mm. But for me, if you can do Doctor Who and you can do something else at the same time, mm. which is what was happening in those four series, I think that elevates those four series. Mm. And Series 7 didn't have that. Um, had the Impossible Girl storyline, yeah. but that was mm. just a very small story by comparison. But, but, and maybe, this feels but, like maybe, again. but maybe we have to judge this at the end of the, the season because maybe it is Missy's Redemption that this season's well, doing and we'll look back and we'll actually we've been sort of we've been distracted by Bill and wondering if something's <clears> gonna happen to Bill and actually it's Missy that's the it's Missy yeah, because but she's I, appeared in a number what of What I'm saying is my favourite of those two, mm. in spite of not necessarily all the stories being brilliant mm. or scoring highly or whatever, a series eight and series nine. Mm. And in both series eight and series nine, that story is being told in every episode. Yeah. Apart from one episode in each by Mark Gatiss. Right. <laughs> so next week, presumably, is the Mark Gatiss one that has nothing to do with again, anything else. We? We're back there again. I'm looking at that, and I've been really won over by the, the bits and pieces and the pictures and the clips that I've seen of next week's, and I just think, oh, it just looks like a whole load of fun. And then I think, is he going to... It looks like Starship Troopers meets at the Earth's core. Yeah, yeah, it looks Jules Verne. Yeah. Lovely, lovely juxtaposition. I've, I've always liked his episodes. So I'm I'm kind of I wasn't a big fan of Sleep No More, mm. but Sleep No More was very it's almost un Mark Gatiss. It's very not Mark Gatiss, yeah. Yeah, mm. but that, Cal- I read did Cold whole War, eight Cold pages War in um, Hating to Love about how um, un Mark Gatiss Sleep No yeah, More was. Yeah, yeah. but all the all the other ones, Idiot's Lantern, I liked. Um, I liked. I'm well, trying to think of the other one, Robots of Sherwood. That mm. was his. I quite like that one. It may be that this works really well within this 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 mm. particular series. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, Sean M. Vale, do you remember about two or three weeks ago he wrote to us and said he wasn't enjoying this at all because no. it just wasn't engaging him? 
Well, he wrote again after last week's episode and say, I have to say that I really loved the last couple of episodes. I find it extremely heartbreaking and totally affective. I chose that word carefully, but also effective story-wise that the Doctor is blind. And as far as Bill's choice to save the Doctor, assuming that he will save everybody despite the setbacks, makes perfect sense to me. Can't wait for the next episode. Mm, Well, I hope it um, lived up to his expectations. Everything made sense. Yeah, it was an episode this week where everything made sense. Whereas last week, nothing made sense. Uh, no, it made sense to me, but it, it kind of like... I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I kept thinking last week, they kept, I liked all the things that we were trying. Yeah. But they just didn't do anything with any of no. them. Um, and we've got one from Kieran Hyman, who's Australian. Oh. He even starts Is he it. on one of the Australian podcasts that they do out there? No, he's not, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I don't... I don't believe he is. If I'm you are, Kieran, you can let How many know. Doctor Who fans can there be in Australia? I just get the impression that they're all they're all in podcasts somehow. Well, a much greater percentage of the <laughs> Australian population grew up with Doctor They used to have Doctor yeah, Who like we yeah. did, except a lot more yeah. often. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think... Bastards. Yeah. But I do think Doctor Who fandom is probably more widespread in Australia... Per head of population than it is. Yeah, I don't know. I might be wrong. Physically, they are because it's a bigger country. Well, that would make it. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Kieran says, "Good day again, Jr." Oh God. And applicable accessories, which means this week Simon and Matt. Oh. <laughs> I'm the, uh, when, what an applicable this accessory. This week's applicable. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like a sex toy. They <laughs> should have called the monks. And now he comes to something because I haven't rewatched any of these episodes apart from Thin Ice because I just haven't had the opportunity. So he brings up something that was something that we missed and then tried to try and make sense of. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I mean, I think this is just his understanding of it rather than something that was made explicit. So, well, we'll discuss whether he's right or whether he's. He says, loving the series so far. Just a point on extremists for you. As I understood it, the Veritas book does exist in the real world and is not a pure construct of the simulated world. It does not state explicitly that you are a hologram. It's just a mythical tale about this so-called shadow test that nobody would take notice of in the real world because anyone who would try the shadow test would simply come up with different numbers to what is written on the following Ah. page. Thus, they can rest assured that they're real and free will is not an illusion. It only becomes a problem in the simulation world when people try and realise that they are not real or shadows created by some evil force as target practice as the book stipulates. So it occurs to... So do we agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I wasn't here to talk about extremists, was I? No. Oh, I thought I... Yeah. Yeah, you saw that. Right, we missed that, so we... uh... I didn't know that... I didn't know... I still can't get my head around whether it's in the real world as well as the simulation. I don't think it needs to be in the real world. It could be just a book that's in the simulation. Well, it's got to be a flaw in the simulation, unless it's put there as like a control by the monks. Well, it's written by someone who's in the simulation who's discovered this test and discovered that like, two people are constantly saying these random numbers and they're both the same, so Mm. they've obviously written it down somewhere. You know, there's been an awful lot of talk since um, Extremist was on, and before because of these scientists are trying to work out if we actually are in a simulation. So let's do a little test here. I'm going to count down from three to one, and then I want us all simultaneously to say a number. Mm-hmm. You ready? 
Okay. Oh, are we doing it? Okay. Yeah, we're doing it. We're oh, doing a test. Sorry. Here we go. Three, two, one. Twenty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Did you say Proof. forty? Did you say forty-two? Forty. Oh, okay. Then you said sixty-nine. Yeah, dirty bugger. I thought somebody would say forty-two. But, yeah. uh, oh, I was just thinking of a random. Uh, maybe I should have specified random number. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I know. No, it's still sixty-nine. I just thought it was inherent. <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, Bill and Ted. Yeah, even even when I try to come up with a random number, it's always the same. <laughs> Kieran, apparently, apparently you always when you're asked for a random number quite often you come up with two numbers that add up to 10 like 73 or 81 or 91 not 81 82 91 apparently there's ways of sort of like Darren Browning it and controlling the random number that you anyway gone maybe Darren Brown's in the simulation and if not maybe we can bugger off there hmm, yeah Kieran carries on and says, So, it occurs to me that this episode wasn't about the Doctor fighting the monks, but about the monks getting beaten by their own holograms who spoil their element of surprise by emailing the Doctor before the monks even have a chance to carry out the practice invasion that the holograms were created for in the first place. Whoops, makes these monks seem a bit useless, if you ask me. See the shadow, be the shadow. Kieran Hyman. He also says, P.S., why was it called extremists? Well, extremists in the moment of death, isn't it? Well, that's a um, metaphorical translation. Right. But I think the literal translation of extremists is at the furthest place. Right, okay. And so, obviously, the simulation is the furthest place, right? Okay. I mean, that to me is... Because mm. I... It be in Latin. I don't think there's an absolutely literal translation, mm. but also, I think also it's set in the Vatican, so having a Latin title makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, I think I think obviously at the moment of death is something that's been extrapolated out of being in the furthest place, right? Yeah, and so the more natural translation is mm. sort of this. Well, that's how I phrased it. I don't okay. think that's how you get it phrased in a book, but that's yeah. how I understand it. Okay. Um, have we got anything else, or should we knock it on the head and reassemble next week for Ice Warriors? Okay, let's reassemble next week for Ice Warriors. Well, until then, then, I was JR. I was Simon. I was Matt. And we'll speak again soon.
you. Wow. That's you. I think we should actually carry on for another <laughs> we just six minutes. That. No, our last three episodes have all been exactly one hour and 20 minutes long. Wow. And I just thought that's a bit of an odd coincidence considering, you know, it could be anywhere between 55 minutes and three and a half hours or something. I just thought an hour and 20 minutes is just very strange oh, I coincidence. Ask, I could ask uh, any listeners to um, help me out with research. Okay, it looks like we've gone into an Easter egg because I haven't <laughs> pressed the button yet. Okay. So go on then. Oh, have you not, have you not cancelled it? Oh, well, no, I was just about to. So I'm gathering, I'm gathering, so I'm writing a book on the demons, which I found out is pronounced the demons and not the demons, as I've been saying. On this very podcast, uh, we just ignored you. Um, and I've I've gone through the the secondary research, so I'm, I've looked here at witchcraft, demonology, gods, Eric Van Daniken, Dennis Wheatley, Margaret Murray, Gerald Gardner. I've done all of that. Are you trying to get it to the six minutes and just I've this done, one sentence? I've done all of that research. Now I'm researching the demons the itself. Television the program. So interviews. I really want an interview. I'm sure there's an interview with Demaris. Demaris Heyman, Heyman, Mrs. Hayman. Hawthorne, because I think she's, it sounds like she's had a really interesting life and it's going to connect with the witchcraft stuff. So I'm looking for interviews with cast members of the demons. Um, I've been trawling DWM and uh, DWB and The Frame and Invision. But if anybody has any any kind of interviews with these people... What can point you towards? Yeah, them? yeah. It'll be, I'd be really grateful because that'd be really handy. Sure, there must be one somewhere. Oh yeah, have you? Um, she did a um, like a solo spin-off thing about two yeah, years ago. Yeah, it's going to be she? released on DVD in November. Annoying, oh, is it? Is yeah, that yeah a bit the too white late? something like the White Witch of she's so she did a fictional yeah yeah a, a fictional sequel to the Demons. Um, and I think there there might be there might be uh, DVD extras on the on the DVD. That well, probably well is the it. first place I should go. I haven't actually rewatched the Demons yet. That's going to be the last thing I do. Because I want to know what I'm looking for when I'm watching it, so it's a bit of a should have been the first and last thing you did. <sighs> I said I didn't want to be dictated by what's in the story. I wanted to bring my agenda to the story. You wanted to bring your gender to the my story. agenda to the story. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I'm I'm slowly gathering material um, for this for this black archive that I'm writing. And so, if anybody if anybody has any ideas or material. Or money that they can send me, then that would <laughs> yeah, be okay. fantastic. I'm open. I'm open to anything: gifts, money, electronic, like scanned copies of stuff. You know, you could post me stuff. Fair enough. Have Did you it, seen any films? Have you seen Wonder, Wonder Woman? No, I no, not to, yet. No, maybe I want tomorrow. To. Oh, I okay. might be seeing it tomorrow. Keep hearing good things about it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's DC, but you know, you never know. Well then, I saw one comment today that said Wonder Woman kicks Marvel's ass. Marvel, this is how you should be doing it. But I thought the whole point was Marvel were doing it how DC should be doing yeah, it. Yeah. So this Wonder Woman probably was how Marvel are doing it. It does something. sound, and I haven't seen it, it sounds like something similar to what they did with Captain America. Which is, so a, a period piece mm. set yeah. in the Second World War. War yeah. I've seen the trailer, that's my immediate thought. Yeah. It does look very yeah. much like the first Captain America film. And from yeah. what I read, it only a setting. is an Origins movie as well. Yeah. From what I gather, yeah? Yes, yeah. but unlike Batman and Superman and Origins movie, they haven't really filmed before. I don't think Wonder Woman's ever been the subject of a film, has she? She's a TV no, series, no. but not yeah. a film. And I don't think yeah. the TV series... Did they? Did the TV series do an origin story for her? Or did they just 
They no, just opened no. every it now and again. She'd situ- go back home and see her mother. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, in her invisible plane. I have heard. So I'm I'm friends with a big fan of Wonder Woman, and she's been dreading it because she's a big fan of the comics of Wonder Woman, and for her, Wonder Woman is this sort of Amazonian mm-hmm. kind of sort of butch statuesque mm. figure that is and the origin in this movie isn't and they've it? Got, mm. except that that they've cast somebody who's very sort of svelte yeah and yeah. and surprisingly they've cast the buffy come across as that in the trailer at all no so maybe my friend will be pleased but she's very particular about her wonder woman so i was very underwhelmed by the trailer so right. i hope that that was a good sign okay the same exactly the same thing happened with guardians of the galaxy so. yes yeah could be good if it's got a few jokes in it Yes, I think that's key. I think yeah. it's light and shade. Is the yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I think that's what I, where I find the superhero movies that I haven't liked have failed as not having the light to go mm. with the shade. Yes, you must yeah. watch the the Batman Lego movie. That's great. Oh yeah, I will. There's no question. Right on that note, then let's actually say goodbye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.